Well, we'll hoist that bridge when we cuddle it. What? I have no idea. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. That's maybe the smoothest we've ever done the intro. Yeah? Yeah. No, I, there was no thought here. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't thinking at all. You just emptied your mind. Yeah, baby. I'm in the moment. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm in perfect improvisation mode now. Nice. Because Is it because of the lack of sleep? It is exactly. Exactly because of lack of sleep. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. BB, or bit, what? Which kid? Who is it? Baby Dot has reached that age where it's like, okay, time to get you on a schedule, and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, 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 I've taken it upon myself. I've given you the nights off because of, uh, as you pointed out, I tried to say something nice and say <laughs> you've been working for five months, and you said uh, fourteen months because of pregnancy. So yes. uh, I am, I'm taking it upon myself to do it. And it means uh, I sleep about an hour and a half on, and then I'm up for about 45 minutes, and then back. It's great. Anyways. Anyways. uh, I had an idea for an episode that I thought would be fun, and it seems like it's going to be fun. And we're going to talk about idioms. Yes. Now, uh, let's start here, uh, because we have a bunch of fun ones that people submitted that I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to talk about. But uh, for anyone listening who doesn't recognize the word, what is an idiom? Okay, well, so it's an expression, all right? Yes. So if we're making Venn diagrams, uh-huh. all of idioms are encompassed in expressions. Yes. Okay, expression meaning a turn of phrase such as a metaphor yeah. or a simile. It's a grouping of words. If we're going to the biggest, biggest header, grouping of words to convey a meaning beyond the words themselves. Correct. Okay. Correct. I and just made that up. Oh, good work. Of, I told you. Listen, maybe you should be sleep deprived more often. Top of mind. Okay. Um. So, and when we talk about idioms, the idioms encompass other things too. So regionalisms, mm-hmm. which are usually a formal turn of phrase. Yes. And then colloquialisms, which are usually more informal turns of phrase. So is a regional, is the name, the name would imply that it is like specific to a region? Or yes, it, it yeah. is specific to a locale and the people who um, inhabit that locale know what that means. Whereas people who who are from other places may have different idioms that mean the same thing. Yes, okay. But they may or may not recognize a regionalism. Okay. Yes. Okay. Got it. Great. And then there's also other ones. This was my favorite because I saw it come up in the thread where we were talking about it. Uh, mal- malifors. Mm-hmm. And a malifor is like a uh, kind of like, so if you combine two idioms, you get a malifor. So what you did at the beginning. Right. Correct. So if you ever heard someone say, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Right. Right. Or, uh, uh, let's see. Here's another one I'm looking at right now. You hit the nail right on the nose, right? It's anything where you take an idiom and you kind of twist it 
and, yes. and uh, make it into something that doesn't quite make as much sense. Right. Uh, that is uh, that is a malifor. So um, <clears throat> what I'm interested in as far as these idioms go is the way that they've kind of moved into society. And not only does it show where these idioms come from, also shows like this kind of ladder of idioms from every like socioeconomic status, yeah. right? And I think that that's a big part of etiquette. Um, and you should you should endeavor to to think about not only your own idioms, but how other socioeconomic status of idioms can you know relate to your own life. Well, and not only that, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but I think it's also important. There are things that we say, slang, idioms, uh, colloquialisms, regionalisms, all these things that we kind of say without thinking about. Exactly. Um, and the origin of some of them are very problematic, and some of them are downright offensive. Um, and so I think it's important from time to time to take stock of the language that we use casually every day and really kind of analyze, like, the things that we're saying without thinking about it. I love to be let to be specific about our language. Yes. And I think that it's important to be specific so that you can convey your meaning and also convey your feeling. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. So, this is the first one. This was one that I was curious about. Um because while we were thinking about these, I think I was like in preparation for this, said it, and then was like, oh, I have no idea mm -hmm. what it is. Because this is so out of left field for me. Up to snuff. Like, you would say, like, uh, I just don't think that that uh, suit is up to snuff, me lad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, it's it's not up to the standard of excellence. Right. Or it is uh, up to snuff. It is up to the standard of excellence. Why, yes. why snuff? Well, so... Um, it first appears in writing in an 1811 parody of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Okay. Uh, by English play playwright John Poole. Uh, he wrote Hamlet Travesty. Okay. Hate that word. <laughs> For obvious reasons. I do not like the word travesty. Yeah. So there are two theories, and I mean, both of them make sense. Okay. So when you think about um, chewing tobacco, yes. right? Snuff was often uh, a a name for chewing tobacco, and if you were up to snuff, it meant that you would like to take some snuff, and it meant that you. Oh, hey, hey, are you up to snuff? <laughs> yep. Like, are you down? Are you down to snuff, my dude? But it was kind of a showy thing, right? Because you would you would talk about being up to snuff, and it was kind of like a flashy habit. Um, oh, yeah, because you have, like, the fancy snuff boxes and mm -hmm, whatnot. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. And over time, this evolved into up to snuff being a particular standard instead of condemnation. Okay. Right? So it moved from, ooh, look at my bad habit, and now it's like, I can be, I can do this with the rest of them. Okay. Um, the second theory is that snuff is actually a play on the word sniff. Okay. And it's reference to the way that animals catch sense of each other, and you must be up to snuff or up to sniff if you are to survive in the wild. That one makes a little more sense to me. Like, that that idea of 
you need to be up to sniff or, you know, you won't survive in the wild. That kind of, that, that makes more sense to me than talking about how fancy a snuff box is, I think. You know what makes the most sense to me? What's that? Is that John Poole just wanted to write the name, the, write the word sniff, but modified it to make it rhyme with enough. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that also, I guess that also makes sense. Uh, so another one that I wanted to know about is hoisted by your own petard or their own petard if you're referring to someone else. And I've always heard this used as like, uh, somebody kind of caught in their own joke or somebody kind of caught in their own trap, you know, yeah. if you will, where like they, you know, uh, for example, to apply it to the modern day, if somebody was attempting to call some, ah, I've got it. Okay. The, uh, there was a great example of this where a dude, uh, like called out a woman who was talking about, uh, uh astronomy, I believe, talking about, you know, the the uh, the universe the heaven space and told her she was wrong and then she came back and said uh i work at nasa and like have a phd and they said i'm an expert in it and that gentleman was hoisted on his own petard because he was okay. attempting so he was attempting to trip her up yes correct okay okay so i think anything like that where you're attempting to trip somebody up you're attempting to catch them in something and you get caught in it yourself you have hoisted yourself on your own petard. But what does that mean? Well, it seems that you picked two that are probably linked to Shakespeare. Well, it's easy to pick ones that are linked to Shakespeare. Because a lot of them are linked to Shakespeare. Yeah, man, <laughs> if you want to blow your mind, look it up. Because there are some that you would assume are like modern day, like green-eyed monster, mm -hmm. Shakespeare. Like, it's there's a bunch of them. There is a bunch of them. So, a uh, petard uh -huh. was a small homemade bomb what? that was used in the 1600s to blow up gates and walls where you're trying to break in. So, if you were I hoisted- I would not, can I tell you? Yeah? I worked at a Shakespeare company for five years, would not have guessed that. I thought a petard was like a hook or something like that. So, if you were hoisted by your own petard, it was um, meaning that you- were a bomb maker who blew up by his own bomb. Okay. This was uh, used in Hamlet, by the way. Uh, hey, real quick, some Shakespeare idioms. Heart of gold, kill with kindness, laughing stock, wild goose chase, green-eyed monster, lie low, faint-hearted, apple of my eye, wear your heart on your sleeve, break the ice. Uh, that's just, like, some. Ugh. Okay. I mean, these are some really great idioms uh, and expressions, and I guess the Shakespeare guy, he's hes gone places. Yeah. Uh, now, Sam wanted to know about have our work cut out for us, and it means that the, the task uh, that lies ahead is about to be very difficult. Now, Sam also mentioned that it's confusing because having something cut out for you seems like that would make it easier. But, so what does it mean? Why is it have our work cut out for us? Well, this phrase first appeared in 1843 in A Christmas Carol, and it meant to have at least as much as one can handle, right? Um, it's accepted that this phrase probably comes from tailoring, meaning that it, that it was originally to mean to prepare or plan an activity, like cut out your work before you get to work, which is one of those sewing things, right? So if you're going to build an outfit or or something like that you need to 
cut out all the pattern pieces, and then you can actually start to put it together. Yes. So this is to have your work cut out for you. It's like, it's all cut out. Look at all this work we have to do. Time yes. Okay. But also, it evolved into the description of when your assistant is cutting out patterns so that it's so quickly done that the tailor himself is unable to keep up. Okay. Okay. Now, Jam and Toast, which I'm betting maybe is not a name so much as just a fun uh, a fun Twitter handle, uh, wanted to know about Bob's Your Uncle. Now, this is this is a British idiom, um, and usually it's uh, the, the other person responds with Fanny's Your Aunt, which I've never heard that part. Maybe that's the official one. But Bob's Your Uncle, I've heard, and it means, uh, like, there it is. There you have it. Uh, that voila! Is, that is it, you know. So you would say like, well, you know, we go to the store, we pick up the ingredients, we mix them up. Bob's your uncle, and it usually means that that was it. It's that easy. It's a yeah. piece of cake, which is another idiom, by yeah. the way. <laughs> it's all idioms. Idioms it's, all the way down. It's so fun to describe an idiom with another idiom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why, by the way. English is such an incredibly hard language to learn mm-hmm. because so much of our language is built off of slang and idioms and colloquialisms and regionalisms. These things are, it's like, what do you mean? Because words don't always mean what they seem to mean. And some words mean 26 things. Exactly. Like it can be very difficult for English as a second language, like learning for people because it's like, what are you talking? <laughs> what does that mean? That's why it's so important that you know what it is. The phrase that you're saying really means. Right. So when someone asks you, uh, what you can explain it in a literal sense. Cause and- this has happened a lot with BB where BB yeah. was like, what? And it's like, Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've always just said that. I don't know. So what is Bob's your uncle? Okay. So it probably came to popularity around 1887. Okay. um, And this was when there was a conservative prime minister of England named uh, Robert mm, Gasonic Cecil III Marquis of Salisbury. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nailed it. That's what it is. (laughs) Got it. Uh, They called him Bob for short. That makes a lot of sense. Sure does. And he appointed his nephew, his nephew Arthur Balfour, as chief secretary for Ireland. Ireland, excuse me. This was, uh, you know, surprising and unpopular. Nepotism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bob's your uncle was a way to say this should be easy, right? Or there you go, and you didn't have to work for it. Oh, so literally, because Bob was his uncle. He yeah. got it without having to work for it. Exactly. Okay, that makes complete sense. Ugh. Okay. Learning is fun. So this Fanny, Fanny's your aunt thing, uh-huh. okay, is a way of calling the Bob's your uncle um, to be uh, not true, right? Okay. So uh, the term my Aunt Fanny in Britain. See, now that I've heard. Yes. Okay. Is a common exclama- exclamation for the term BS. BS, yes. Um, or or bull poop. Yes, yes. Uh, so when you respond with my aunt Fanny, when someone says Bob's your uncle, it means like they say it's going to be easy, you know, a piece of cake, and you're like, it will not. Exactly, you are wrong. Exactly, okay. you are wrong. Okay. Now, uh, this is uh from uh, Clinky Penguin. Uh, break a leg. 
which is a common theater expression meaning good luck. You know, this is what people now I the theaters I worked for, and I think even in college we stopped saying break a leg. Just because it sounds so violent, I it's think. It's kind of morbid, isn't it? Yeah, I think we just said, good show. Good yes, show, good, good show. show. But good you show. don't say, I know that part of it comes from, like, you don't say good luck. Because good luck is, like, contrary to obvious, bad luck in theater to say. Something like that, right? Um, It has to do, I think, with the evil eye. Where if oh my you goodness. if you yeah. want to get if you want to go on a deep rabbit hole, just look at all the different ways you can get bad luck in a theater. <laughs> There's right. so many. It's we're a superstitious lot, the acting folk, because you always want to blame mistakes on anything, anything other else. than yourself. <laughs> so it's not that you forgot a prop or a line or whatever. It's because somebody whistled. You know, right, right, okay. right, right. Um, so when you say good luck in a theater, you are inviting the evil eye to you know. To mess you up. Basically. It's kind of like saying what could go wrong. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or it. it could be worse, right? Like, right. these things are like, well, now that you've said it, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Um, so there are a couple of legends about Break a Leg, uh, one of which I had actually heard another Shakespearean deal, right? Yeah. Um, may you break your leg, meaning that hoped your performance would be so grand and marvelous that the actor would have to bend their knee in a very deep bow. Oh, see, this makes complete sense to me. Um, that is the that's the one that I knew about. Um, but also another legend about this, uh-huh. which I think it probably uh moved into the vernacular before this, but that break a leg comes from the assassination of uh Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Because oh! Yeah, John Wilkes Booth. When he jumped, when he jumped off the stage, broke his leg. Exactly, and now people think that that means that they hope your performance is as memorable as the assassination of Lincoln. Okay. Like I said, I think it happened before then. Yeah, I like the first one better. I like, I like, <laughs> I like the. I hope your performance is so good that you had to like go to a knee with all the applause and not. I hope your performance is so memorable. It's like you murdered somebody. Yeah. Baby Dot uh, is has moved from her playpen thing to now next to the microphone. So if you hear what sounds like a tiny hand grabbing the microphone. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's see. What's the next one? The next one here is from uh, AJ... And AJ wants to know about Go Cold Turkey. Now, this uh, people have probably heard in relation to, like, quitting smoking or mm-hmm. something. Of it means to, or like... Or other addictive substances. Yeah, so quitting something without, like, slowly weaning off it, just, like, stopping cold turkey. Right. Okay, why cold turkey? Uh, I mean, this is kind of sad, right? Oh. It's probably started in the 1920s when a Dr. Carlton Simon... Um, said that many who go uh, through an unabrupt stop of their addictions cause them to go through withdraw to make them look like turkey carcasses left in the cold. Ooh, boy. Clammy, pale, and covered in goosebumps. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, you know what I've never thought of? Goosebumps. To get goosebumps, it's probably from, like, pulling feathers Mm -hmm. out of a goose, and it leaves those little, like, you know, little... Bumps. Bumps. Yeah. When you pull the feathers out. (laughs) 
See, these are the things you put together. Uh, we've got lots more idioms to talk about, but first, uh, we're going to send a thank you note to a sponsor. This week, uh, the, the money from our ads is going to go to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Uh, they are an organization that focuses on supporting black transgender people. Uh, you can find out more about them at marshap.org. Manners is supported in part by Billy. Billy has recreated everyday essentials by delivering premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. No pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, no breaking the bank. So you can go to Billy.com and you can get a starter kit for just $9. We received a starter kit, and let me tell you, this for just $9 is an amazing value. You get a razor, two refillable blades blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps the razor safe and dry between uses. Um, Billy is out to change more than the way you shave. They have just released three completely clean must-have products to add to your routine. You can have their lip balm, they have dry shampoo, and they have face wipes. Um, I, Like I said, I received a Billy razor, um, and I I really enjoyed it, but let me tell you what I enjoyed the most. I loved their shaving lotion. Um, it was so like it's it feels luxurious. Um, I have I have on occasion used conditioner to help me shave, and it feels like that. It's got a high viscosity that I really enjoy. Um, so you can check out their shaving lotion too. You can get started by going to mybilly.com slash schmanners and you'll get this really great razor. And the best part is the starter kit is just $9 plus free shipping. So go to billy.com slash schmanners. That's spelled B, sorry, mybilly.com slash schmanners. Spelled mybilly.com slash schmanners. Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, to the nah, to the nah, nah, nah. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fanti, Maximum Fun, podcast. Ow. Okay. Um, we've got uh, some more idioms to do, but first, I, I said that we would go through some idioms that you should stop using. Um, so first, uh, and listen, there are some very offensive ones. I encourage everyone just do some quick Googling of like, uh, idioms with offensive origins and you'll find a bunch that I am not comfortable even discussing here on the show. But for example, one that I think I see people use a lot is like off the reservation. Mm-hmm. Do not do that. Do not use this. Um, it, it's, it, it has to do with like Native Americans, uh, uh like messages in, in telegrams and stuff that were sent out uh, by local authorities that said Indians are off the reservation without authority. 
Um, and it's it's not great. Don't use that one. Here's a good replacement. Say off the rails. Yeah. Because when a train goes off the track, it indicates that something happened that's unplanned. Yes. Um, this is another one. Uh, so the people will often say that they feel gypped. Do not do this. Do not do this. Uh, it comes from the offensive term gypsy, uh, which is an offensive term to describe Romani people. Um, do not do this. It has to do with like the saying that the Romani are ripping you off. It's not good. Don't say that. Don't use that one. Um, so for example, another one is paddy wagon, mm-hmm. uh, which is derived from, uh, so the very, uh, common Irish name, Patrick. Right. Your middle name. My middle name. Um, so this either has to do with like sending a big, uh, you know, police van to round up a bunch of Irish folk. Or the fact that there were a lot of Irish cops. So either way, not great. Don't don't use that one. Um, let's see. If you ever hear like sold down the river, is really bad. Um, it they so this comes from a practice of when uh you know slavers in America selling quote troublesome slaves down the Mississippi River to plantations with harsher conditions. Um, so if you ever say like, ah, oh, you sold me, you sold me down the river, you sold me up there, whatever. It's that's also not great. There's a lot of these that you should not use. There's like words we should not use that people say all the time. Uh it's not great. Um yeah. So let's get back to some more fun uh, uh idioms that we can use okie doke so this is from carol and maybe this isn't a good example of a fun one (laughs) blood is thicker than water uh now usually i've heard it to mean like you prioritize family over other uh affiliations friends work whatever blood is thicker than water exactly um i get the blood part of that because you're talking about like family What's the water part? What is this? So this is friends water. Is it because we're made of seventy five percent water? Well, everyone is made out of a lot of water. So if your family isn't made out of water, they're dehydrated. You should get them. That's true. Get them some water. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is actually uh, a shortened version of a saying, and that comes from medieval German in about eleven eighty. It's from a fable called Reynard the Fox, and it had a line that said, I also hear it said, kin blood is not spoiled by water. Okay. Um, so it meant that your ties to your family will never change, no matter the distance between you. Oh. So you could move across oceans, and it would never change how much you love your family. That makes complete sense. But... This phrase is actually ancient, and it goes back to ancient Arabic, roughly translated to the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which almost reverses the meaning, doesn't it? I mean, so it's like you can't choose who you're born from, so therefore the blood or choice of a person to bond with yourself is more than binding than the place you come from. Oh, okay. I dig that. I like that one. Yeah, so it was meant to guilt you. So if uh, blood is thicker than water makes you feel guilty about um, cutting off your family members, uh, think about the ancient phrase that actually means it wants you to go find your chosen family. Nice. Okay, this one is from uh, at Not Your Memory. 
close, but no cigar, uh, which I've always heard it used as like, oh, that was a good, good try, but it was not successful. Often I've heard it used sarcastically, where like you have mm. completely, completely whiffed it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this probably only comes from the 20th century in the U.S. because cigars were a common prize in game stalls for like festivals and, and fairgrounds and stuff. So it was, you know, you almost won the prize, but you didn't. So you didn't get a cigar. Okay. Uh, that one seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. Close. But no cigar. But no cigar. Um, uh, now this one comes from at Nerptitude. Go Bananas. Meaning, like, you know, go wilds, or uh, it could be, like, a lot of things of, like, they're going, you know, mm-hmm. bonkers, right? Yeah. Now, I assume that this has to do with, like, monkey business, or, you know, or it's just, like, the monkeys going bananas. Maybe. Maybe. The thing is, what we can really trace it to at this point is actually the psychedelic 60s. Okay. Um, because there was a rumor that went through American uh, hippie groups. Yes, I've heard of them. That roasted banana peels have psychedelic properties. Huh. Okay. Huh. So is huh. Yeah. So is bananas as drugs. Yes. Okay. So it it might be older than that. It's contested. No, I like this one, Vaz. I this do too. The, this is the way to go. Okay, Katie wants to know about nip it in the bud, uh, which uh, I've always heard in in connection of like to stop a problem before it starts. Yes, and I had a friend in uh, I I think college friend in college that thought that this expression was nip it in the butt. Now that is a malaphor, which but it I is a very fun. That's like a little dog. I picture a little dog trying to bite someone's butt. There. Oh no, that dog is going to nip you in the butt. <laughs> but it still kind of makes sense if you're going to sure stop something before it starts. Um, okay. This comes from gardening, which I think is is a, is pretty obvious. Um, so growers frequently uh, snip off or pinch off new buds on plants or trees so the plant's energy can be used more productively. So the idea is, let's say you're you're growing fruit on a tree and you want some good produce, some good produce is what I should say, not a lot of mediocre produce. Right. So you nip off some of the buds to keep the energy going to a few good fruits. Okay. This makes sense. Okay. Uh, Let's see. This is from Horatio. The up and up, which I've always heard uh, said like, oh, that salesperson, they're on the up and up. Like You can trust them. They are sincere. They are above board, which is another one. I've got to write that Uh, one down. Above board. Above board. (laughs) Um, You know, they're sincere. They're legitimate. Right. Uh, Again, Probably the late 19th century in the U.S. Um, because horse racing and betting on horses uh, started to gain legitimacy, right? Um, and in order to make sure that your bet was legal, uh, you wanted it on the up and up. And what other ath- athlete you were betting on was also rising up in their career. Okay. Okay. Got it. Now, uh, this one comes from Francis, under the weather, uh, which I've always heard uh, to apply to, like, 
you know, feeling sick or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know, unwell in some way. Yeah. Um, and it it does. It does mean that, especially um, from its origins in the sailing community, uh, because sailors and passengers aboard ship would become seasick when their boat came literally under poor oh. weather. So the tossing and turning of the ship from a storm would make people sick. Okay. Now this one, I I always thought I knew what this meant until Shelby brought it up. And Shelby asked about, I've got your number. Um, which I've always heard to say like, you know, someone has uh some some mal mal intent for you that mm-hmm. they have bad plans for you. Oh, they've got your number. Right, like something bad, like if you were getting audited, right? You might say the IRS has got your number; they're out for you. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean? Okay, so again, the origins are a little murky, but probably in the eighteen seventies, um, you were uh, okay. Let's back up just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, back when. Telephones first became popular. Uh-huh. You had a telephone operator who you would say, "Hello, operator, I'd like to speak to operator. Mrs. Operator, get, get me uh, the only thing I can think of is Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's not it. That's, <laughs> That's not it. That's nothing. Uh, but you would ask for Mrs. Jones or something like that, right? You'd ask for the person, yeah. and the operator knew where to plug in the connection to connect you with them. Yes. Um, but. At this point in time, in the, in a town in Massachusetts, there was a measles outbreak, uh-huh. and there was the worry that any replacement operators would have to relearn where the people connect, where the connections for the people were. So the telephone number was born, so that uh-huh. a specific person would have their own number. So if you had a number. So if you had someone's number, you knew exactly where they were. You had specialized access to them. Oh, so like they know they got you. They know where you are. They know about you. You can't just say like, hey, uh, I met someone named this and this and this. And the operator back. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine right now in like Cincinnati, like calling up an operator and saying like, can you connect me to Ron Jones? And I'd be like, oh, Uh, 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 so, listen, we've got a lot more, but I think we're going to turn this into a two-parter. I think that sounds great. Let's make it almost like a recurring one. Well, there, so, there really are so many. There are so many. So, if you're listening to this and you're like, what about this and this and this? I want you to, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, at schmannerscast, and say, hey, I've always wondered about this idiom, or I've always wondered what this means. I've heard this all my life, and I've never thought about it. Or if there's another one where you're like, hey, here's a phrase everyone should stop using, share that with us, too. Let's get the word out on those. Uh, so like I said, email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. You can also email us if you have an idea for a topic, uh, and you can tweet at us, at schmannerscast. Uh, with with your uh, suggestions for idioms to talk about. And we'll be back next week. We want to say thank you to Alex, of course, without whom we would not have been able to get all this research together. Thank you all for submitting your uh, suggestions for idioms to cover. Um, go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Uh, like we said before, you can check out the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Uh, you can go to MarshaP.org. 
Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Um, also, thank you to Keila, Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our cover picture of the fan-run Facebook group Schmanners Fanners. Um, that is a, a fan-run group that you can join if you love to give and get excellent advice from other Schmanners Fanners. Get it? Nice. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.